You're listening to a DM podcast. That's the nice thing, though. That's the nice thing about I must say about audio drama, is it's compared to movies, it's so cheap. You don't have to listen to anyone. You don't have to take notes from anyone. You know, you don't have to convince anyone with lots of money that your idea is worthwhile. All right, good day, and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Podcast with Jules and Stocks. We're back. We're back. Uh, this week we've spoken to Patrick McGinley of the Destination Earth podcast, who won the best fictional podcast at the 2020 Australian Podcast Awards. So Patrick has done it all. He's done. He's written a book, Amazon TV show, TV shows in Spanish. In Spanish, that's <laughs> right. Dual linguist, probably more than dual, but yeah. He's an interesting unit, right? I mean, definitely. Uh, what raised in Germany on uh, the audio dramas they had on radio there or the radio plays. Learned his craft, I guess, storytelling here in Australia. In Sydney, uh, went to Afters, and that was where he conceived Destination Earth. And now, what, living in Ireland? That's right. Yeah, so he's written the script quite a few years back, as you'll, you'll hear. So, you know, sitting there trying to figure out what to do with it. And then, as a lot of people have found, podcasts have introduced a way that they can sort of get something up off the ground relatively easily um, and inexpensively. So he's done that, he's given it a crack and he's yeah. produced something that's just a, a whole lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. 16 years to get there. That's right. And he's a big fan on the power of audio storytelling over visual storytelling. Some interesting insights he's got there. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, let's not waste any more time. Patrick, why don't you tell us about Destination Earth? Destination Earth is Indiana Jones in space. That's actually the most concise elevator pitch we've had so far. I think that is the true elevator pitch under 15 yeah, seconds. Exactly. <laughs> that was sort of where the idea came from, too. Well, I think the uh, old spin definitely does have some indie qualities to him, for sure. You can see that. Yeah, yeah. Through. Definitely. And how about yourself, Patrick? So you're a bit of a, a bit of a man of the world. I think we've been having a look at your bio and just judging by your accent that we're hearing for the first time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tell us a bit about it's- how you got started. You look like uh, Louis yeah. Theroux, but you have a much more interesting background, <laughs> I think. <laughs> well, um, so I was born in Belgium, uh, where I didn't stay very long. I, then we moved to Munich, to Germany, and that's where I grew, grew up. And uh, then I went to film school in the US, and then I went back to Germany to work as sort of video editor, producer, that kind of stuff. Lots of, you know, I did lots of like fashion stuff, music videos, uh, sports, lots of motorsports and stuff. And um, then in squeezed a novel in there as well. Oh, oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, so I started writing on the side sort of uh, around that time and uh, got fortunately got like my first book published about 20 years ago, 15 years ago. And, um, uh, and that's sort of uh, kids, kids sort of middle grade fiction, YA fiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, so I've been writing books sort of on the side. It's not really... It's not really, unless you're J.K. Rowling or someone, it's not really something that pays the rent. But uh, it, it was good, uh, you know, it's a good way to, to tell stories um, and sort of get better at it, I guess, you know. Uh, because you don't really need anything to write a book. You just need a, a, a computer or even a pencil. And uh, you can start writing and, you you know, you just kind of improve. Um, and then in 2012... 
uh, I went on a round the world tour and my second stop was Sydney and I liked it so much that I decided to move there. Stuck around. <laughs> yeah. Well, I actually finished the round the world tour and then went back to Sydney. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so in 2012, so in the summer 2012, I moved to Sydney. I, I uh, went to film school again in Sydney, to Sydney Film School. And there I did a, a course in audio. So audio recording for film and TV and post-production. Um, and that was really good. And that was sort of um, what, uh, what made me think about audio. Yeah. Were, po- were podcasts on your, ra- on your radar at all at that stage? Well, podcasts, yeah. Okay, well, audio dramas, basically anyone who grew up in Germany in the 80s was massively into audio dramas. Um, On radio or? Every kid had like a little tape recorder in their bedroom and like a stack of audio cassettes with dramas on them. Uh, And they were sort of like from really, really sort of uh, little kid stuff to sort of more grown-up stuff. And the the one that was my favorite was uh, Flash Gordon. Ah. It was like an adaptation. It was like a tie-in to the movie, the 80s movie, because um, it had the Queen title song. It had the song, I was going to say. Oh. <laughs> that was the first time I heard a Queen song. I was like, wow, this is good. <laughs> I, and I think that's why you can't find it anymore, because they don't sell that particular drama anymore, because I don't think they got the music rights. <laughs> gotcha. They, they couldn't clear the rights anymore. Those shaped my sort of love for audio drama. And they had that certain, that kind of format with a narrator and lots of action and lots of, like mo- like movies on tape, basically. Was that a bigger thing than comic books in Germany or? Yeah, like so, sort of superhero comics weren't really popular at all. The comic books in Germany that were popular were like Asterix and Lucky Luke and sort of the French, more the French ones. And there were some Germans ones too. Yeah, everyone had those audio dramas, the, the most popular series. And they're still ongoing with the same uh, voice talent. Oh, really? So the most popular series is called uh, The Three Investigators or Die Drei Fragezeichen, The Three Question Marks. And that's so big that they actually do studio, uh, stadium tours. So they, they go and, and do the, the dramas live in front of audiences and they're all like my age you know they're all like in their 40s wow. yeah there's the big and, nostalgia <laughs> element to it yeah yeah huge huge uh so yeah that's a that's a that was a big thing that sort of shaped my love for audio drama so that's where that came from basically fascinating actually i have a group of friends who did a thing called full playback theater and what they do is they they put on they put on the tape and then they act it out on stage and they started as this like indie troupe with like costumes and props and stuff and they make it all all funny you know uh and but it's because uh, it, everyone knows those those stories because you know we've listened to them so many times so you know people love it and that's hilarious so, so they've tried to put a visual to the world but you've tried to just keep the world of audio going and, and try out your own things well, I mean, the, the way Destination Earth happened was um, where, uh, when I was pretty fresh out of film school, I just had this idea, which was in, inspired by two sources. One was obviously Indiana Jones and sort of Raiders, that kind of thing. Uh, and the other thing is um, Isaac Asimov's Foundation series. Mm-hmm. Um, they ha- uh, it's, I don't know if, if you know Asimov, but it's like a whole robotics. cycle. From the robot stories to the empire stories, and you know it spans millions and millions of years. And at the end, uh, in the last two books, there's like two t- scientists who go f- to look for planet Earth because everyone's forgotten about it. And I thought that's a really cool premise, but 
Asimov can be very uh, very dry. Asimov's very basically smart people sitting in rooms talking about stuff. Uh, <laughs> I, I love it. I love it, but it's not. It you know, it's not every every person's cup of tea. But um, and I thought there's an opportunity here to turn this story into a more action adventure thing, you know. And I, I immediately had the idea of like Indiana Jones kind of looking for a thing and like a treasure hunt kind of thing mm. and then in space i thought that's a that, that's cool that really sort of lit up something in, in my head <laughs> so so those were the two big inspirations and then i sat down and i thought well who's who's my main character who's the most Im- interesting person that this could happen to and uh so since the story is about where do we come from where do humanity where does the human race come from um, I thought, what about if it's someone who doesn't have any roots, mm. who doesn't come from anywhere, who doesn't even uh, know why it's important that we know where we come from? So that's how I came up with the idea of someone drifting in space, of being found as a kid drifting in space, and then he becomes a drifter. He's yeah, sort a little of, drifter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you know he has no he has no roots anywhere, and then he meets someone, the professor, who has dedicated his entire life to one thing and has is really driven and that's sort of the interesting conflict there i think or yeah. the interesting character uh, clash and then he like spin learns throughout the adventure why it's important where he comes from and then yeah that's sort of the idea i had so when you were first coming up with the conceit of the show, did you consider it that it would be a, uh, a podcast? Or were you thinking about, you know, maybe just releasing this back in Germany in the full audio? <laughs> no, no, actually, I, I wrote it as a screenplay. I wrote okay. it as a screenplay, a movie screenplay. Uh, because, you know, I came from, I, I studied film. I wanted to make films all my life. Uh, and I, I knew while I was writing it, no one would ever <laughs> consider buying this or making this. Uh, because it's really, really hard to get anything done in science fiction or fantasy that's not based on anything. Yeah, that doesn't have the yeah. IP behind it. Exactly. There's always has to be an IP. Like you know, they're making another Lord of the Rings show. They're making another th- Game of Thrones show. Mm. But if you came up with a cool fantasy script, uh, I don't think you'd get anywhere selling it because people are like, what's this? No one knows this. Uh, it's hugely expensive to produce this kind of stuff, and we don't have a built-in audience. You know, so I knew that it was doomed to failure. <laughs> but I, 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 you know, I wrote it partly as an exercise, right. you know, or as a writing sample. Or uh, so, you know, I, I put it in the drawer, like so many other projects. I, t- I, you know, like if you ask any writer, they have like drawers full of stuff that goes nowhere. But I kept taking it out over the years. You know, this was 2006 when I first wrote the script, and I kept taking it out, and I didn't know. And then in 2014, when I was finished with Sydney Film School, and I'd done that whole audio thing, I thought, I took it out again, and I thought, hmm, I, I really like this. I want to do something with it. And then I thought, maybe I can do something with audio. Yeah, the worlds and universes were colliding. Exactly, exactly. And, and I remembered those old Flash Gordon audio tapes, and I thought... There's something here. I, I should I should at least try to do it. And what was the adaption process like? Because you have to do a lot of exposition and development when it becomes an audio play. You've got to explain what's happening. Oh, so I, I kind of, I opened the script and I kind of went through it. And I thought, what do we need to know that we don't get from audio? So I, I and, and since all those old audio dramas I'd listened to had these great narrators, it's sort of like your, your grandpa reading your story. That's the kind of vibe. Uh, I thought, okay, 
I'm, I'm going to do a narrator because this is too complicated to set up with only, I don't know, dialogue. And the problem with audio drama is always you have expositional dialogue where it's like, look over there, it's a giant spaceship. Oh, yes, it is very giant. And you know, <laughs> look at that alien. It's attacking me with its five tentacles and stuff, you know. Yeah. And you have to kind of find a way. I mean, that's part of the charm. But you don't want to do too much of that. So you yeah. have to kind of find a ways around it. So, so I, I thought, where do I absolutely need narration? You know, at the beginning of a scene to set up the, the, the location, all that kind of stuff. But then uh, you find out that sometimes you don't. And I think, I think audio is more powerful than you would think, you know. Mm. So, so one thing I did in preparation or that I've been doing for you know since i got interested with movies as i listen to a lot of movies so i just record the audio ah. for example I, I just record the audio of star wars and just listen to that and and there are certain tropes as well aren't there there's sort of this is the sound of an airlock this is the sound of a blaster this exactly. is the sound of whatever it may be the good thing is that we've all consumed so much stuff you know in, in the last 20 years in the last 30 years we, we've seen all these scenes. You know, if you want to big, do a big battle scene between orcs and elves or something, we've, we've seen those images. You know, we can construct it in our head just from the audio. And, and I think uh, one thing, the, the biggest secret of filmmaking is that the sound is more important than the picture. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. You can, do a, you can do a little test if you want at home. So put on Star Wars and turn off the sound and see how long... You can watch it without getting bored and checking your phone or checking Twitter. And I'll tell you, like, after two, three minutes, you'll just be bored out of your mind because it's not, it's dead, you know? There's no sign. You don't believe it. It's sort of, it's just pictures. But if you do the opposite and just put it on your, on your headphones and listen to it, it's all there. Even derivatively, you get that with reality TV, just the way they set up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's going on? Oh, i got to hate this person because of the music. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> exactly. There's so much in sound that you, uh, th- that you pick up uh, unconsciously, you know. So tell us about developing the act- uh, episodes and everything. I mean, you, you decided to go with 10 episodes and about 10 minutes each? Yeah, sort of. I, I, kind, of, I get, kind of went through the script and thought, where, where's the best cliffhanger here? Like, uh-huh. where is the, where's the scene where, you know, like the first episode ends when they're about to go to the museum. It's like, aha, people will want to know what, what this is about, you know. And then so every episode ends on a cliffhanger. And it, they just came at about like every 10, 12 pages. Um, it's funny because some episodes are much longer than others, but they're sort of on the page. They are sort of the same page numbers. Yeah, okay. But, uh, yeah. yeah. So that's, that's kind of where I, where I, where I put the... Uh, episode breaks so to speak uh, one thing I found out with the, with the story that really helped as an audio drama I, I found out that while I was um, uh, adapting it that there are several things in this screenplay that really worked in audio and one is that there's four main characters that all sound completely different mm. so you have like uh, you know an older man a um, 30 year old man 30 year old woman and a teenage girl so that you, you're never confused who's speaking yeah, it's very important. And you, don't, and you don't have to memorize like 20 names. It's only those four people basically on a journey. That was uh, one aspect that was really good. Another one was a lot of times they are in different locations and they're talking on the radio to each other. So that gives you the opportunity to describe stuff. So, you know, Spin will be checking out the colony ship and he'll say, oh, my God, look at this. And then, I wish you could see this. He actually says, yeah. I wish you could yeah. see this. <laughs> and then he goes on to describe everything. So that really worked well. 
Um, and then there's lots of opportunity to do cool sound design stuff. You know, there's like uh, plan- alien planets, spaceships, space stations, a uh, futuristic city, you know. So, yeah. That it, it really worked out well that way. Yes, I mean, how did you start adding adding the layers to each of these things from, you know, the original script that you had, breaking it down and finding those hooks and everything, to then saying, all right, I'm going to need, you know, four bits of vocal talent, I'm going to need someone to do the sound design, I'm going to need all these yeah. bits and pieces. Well, yeah, where, where, where did it become a, you go, this is now a podcast and I've got a, what was the tipping point? Process <laughs> was really kind of long for various reasons but uh, uh, sort of in 2014 I had a sort of office job and I thought I want to do something with this thing why don't I just put out a, uh, an ad on Star Now to see if I can get any voice act- actors in the studio and I, I knew uh, I did it all at Sydney Sound Brewery which is a studio that used to be in Redfern uh, and that's where I had my classes with John Resk who's the uh, he owns the studio and you know we became really good friends and I thought yeah you know I'll, I'll just I'll just rent the studio for a couple of hours, get some actors in and see, you know, if, we're, if I can find any. And I, I found some really good people. And then my thought was I'll, um, I'll do a trailer first and then do uh, crowdfunding to see if I can, you know, get the money together. And so I found my actors. I did a trailer with them. Uh, and then I kind of got bogged down with the whole crowdfunding thing because I thought, oh, no, I have to do sort of awards and rewards and... Mm-hmm. and then send them out and, uh, and that whole thing became so overwhelming and you know it took me a year to get sort of through this I thought ah, I'll just do it myself yeah it's a bit of an art form unto itself isn't it the crowdfunding sort of you know rewards and prizes and everything yeah it's simplified now it's just like look if you think this is cool give me money yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was much more daunting than doing the actual thing you know <laughs> and so i thought i'd just do it myself you know and uh it, it since i stretched out the recording and the uh, the production over so many so many years it you know it wasn't that much money even like you know i was i had a i had a job a you know, full-time job on the side so it was you know it was more like a hobby on the side the, the job was the full time there was the hobby on the side to the, no. <laughs> to the real passion <laughs> the job was well the real passion was obviously in this <laughs> But uh, but it, yeah, it was, it's not. It wasn't that that expensive to make this thing. So then I had my cast together. I have a um, a friend of mine is a composer. We met you know thirty years ago in Germany. Then she became a composer and lives in LA now. And I asked her if she would do the trailer music, and she came up with this great theme. And then I put the trailer together, and I thought, ah, you know what? Let's just do the whole thing. That's <laughs> so, uh, Silke. Yeah, that's Silke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all the talent was from Star Now. Some there were some people. Francis, the narrator, I knew from short films from Sydney Film School, and also uh, Jerry Spin, I knew. It's interesting. Star now, it's, it's almost like what's five has become now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and Oh, yeah, and one was a personal recommendation. Uh, Peter, the scientist, was a recommendation from someone else. Yeah, so... So I did that, and then basically what we did... Because I had, I had no uh, uh, experience with how long it would take to record this, you know? It was 130 pages. I was like, I don't know. How many days will that take in the studio? Maybe 10? I don't know. So, so we booked a day in the studio to, to try it out. And we got through half the script. And I realized, oh, it's, this is going to be much easier than I thought. So we did two days in the studio for the main cast, another day in the studio for the narration, and then... Sort of, there was sort of like supporting characters here and there, and I, you know, was booked booked an hour here and there to record their stuff. 
So were the characters, sorry, were the main characters, were they in around the same time and, and reacting with each other? Yeah. That, that was one thing I really wanted to do is have all four of them in the studio at the same time. So, and I think you can really hear that too in the performances. You know, they play off of each other quite a lot. And yeah, that was very important to me. That, that's also one thing I would recommend if you do a sort of action-based audio drama that you do that because it really helps the performance. Mm, so it's really leaning into the audio play route. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, I think the only drawback is that you basically have to have everyone in the same town. So you can't get talent from all over the world. You have to get them from the same place. Yeah, well, we did appreciate that they all had, you know, this far in the future had some good Australian accents shining through a little bit. (laughs) You know, they asked me and I was like, (laughs) you know, do whatever. I mean, it's so many years in the future, they probably don't speak English anymore. Yeah, true. And, and so, why does every everyone have to speak American? You know, it's yeah, always, absolutely. The good absolutely. guys always speak American, and the bad guys always speak British with British accents. And the I, orcs are always uh, yeah. London Cockney for some reason. Yeah. yeah, I was just going to say I like for some of the sound design as well. Just even the a bit of chalk on the chalkboard seems to have made it into the future. Yeah. <laughs> some of these analog actually, technology should never die. <laughs> I bought a chalkboard for that, and my reasoning was: why do they have a futuristic thing if you know? If that just works, you know. Yeah, he's an earth purist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A hundred, a hundred and thirty pages. I mean, that it felt lighter than that. I mean, that's a feature film script, right? That's yeah, it is. <laughs> it was. <laughs> okay, so you've everyone's recorded. How long was the editing process? What happened, and how hands-on were you in that? I did everything basically. I did except for the recording uh, and the final mix, which John did in the studio. I just did the whole thing. So I. I uh, re- we recorded the main dialogue in the studio, and then I went home and basically cleaned it up, and looked for the best takes and you know performance-wise whatsoever. And um, then I had sort of the clean thing without any effects on it. And then um, so I, I started sort of thinking about effects. The next step was basically layering effects and uh, doing stuff like reverb. I used a lot of sort of like every location has its own specific reverb. So because, you know, they're in the museum, it's a big sort of room. You need a sort of cathedral like sound. Then a spaceship, you need a different kind of sound. Uh, So I did that. And then I worked with my composer to do the music. And the process there was I did uh, temp tracks first. Well, she had written the main title theme for the trailer. So what you hear at the beginning, that was from the trailer, basically. And then we went... Basically, we did it like uh, a film post-production, the sound post-production on a film. You, you, you go in, you do the effects work, you lock picture. I mean, for me, locking picture meant locking the dialogue and the episodes. And I did all the effects work, and I put in the temp tracks, which is music from other sources like movies or uh, video games or whatever, and that fit the mood and what I kind of wanted from my composer. And I sent it off to her, and then she sent me back, you know, first drafts and... And then I commented and, you know, and at the end we were both happy and she sent me the final versions. And then once that was done, that was the final step. We went to the studio to to do the final mix with John and then that's it. I mean, that took like five years. (laughs) (laughs) I just described there. Part of the the problem was this whole uh, crowdfunding thing. It took a year and then my my composer got pregnant so she had to slow down on the composing but the the music took another year but it took took a long time. Are Are there any other effects apart from the blackboard that you're particularly proud of? Or they have a nice little story behind them? I mean, the uh, one fun thing was the alien voices. 
So basically what I did with the aliens right. was I, I, I wrote dialogue in alien language. I didn't you know, come up with a language or anything, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's not like Klingon or something. But I, I wrote sort of like alien voice dialogue and then I recorded that. And I, um, I read an interview with a sound designer for District 9, the South yep. African yep. Yep. science fiction, a great movie. And he had this great sort of alien voice sound for the, for the aliens. And uh, I read uh, an interview with him where he said that what he did was he tried rubbing vegetables together. And that sort of makes this kind of squeaky sort of vocal sounds. So I went down to... What were your vegetable of choice? And I started rubbing vegetables together to find what sounded best. And it turned out bok choy sounded the best. So I bought some bok choy back to the studio. And I started just recording bok choy. And... So then, uh, so then I went into my alien dialogue, and, and then you just replace some of the uh, vowels or uh, some of the consonants with, you know, some some bok choy, and then throw some filters on it and stuff, and that's what you get. Uh, that's how you get the alien voice. Oh, that's amazing. I love those when you see the sort of uh, behind the scenes, the foley artists on movies yeah, yeah. doing the various stuff. <laughs> it's incredible what they come up with to make these sounds. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's really fun. Um, I did some of that. The chalkboard was... uh, I bought a chalkboard because I couldn't find chalk sounds, so it was like... uh, And the other thing I couldn't find was uh, air tanks. Uh, You know, those sort of like... For scuba diving, those air tanks uh, dragging over concrete. So I took a soda stream bottle and dragged it over the concrete in the studio <laughs> and then pitched it down so it sounded bigger. So <laughs> Love the craft. So after all of that time, I imagine you didn't want to sort of release this too quickly, so you haven't put it out as like a kind of one-hit binge. You did release it week by week, is that right? Yeah, I thought, you know, people will discover it and then you can put something out every every other week. You can say, you know, new episode, blah, blah, blah. And uh, yeah, I think... There's a big discussion now with streaming services whether the binge model works better or the episode weekly episode model works better. And if you look at sort of what people talk about online, it's usually the weekly ones where like, oh my God, I can't believe this cliffhanger and let's see what happens next time and stuff. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It gives everyone a sort of a bit of a time to come together and talk about it, you know, each week and, and over a specific thing. Whereas if everyone's listening to everything all at once, all over the place, and it's all disparate. There's no water cooler conversation. No, that's right. It's so hard to lock in. But you did do what I've, it seems to be coming a bit of a trend with some people. It's to do the double episode drop at the start. Yeah, I thought those two those episodes, episodes are quite, are quite good, good because, because they give you everything you need to know of what the story is going to be. And if by the end of the second one you're hooked, then you're going to listen to the rest. And if not, it's not for you. But I thought... I thought maybe one episode was a little bit uh, too short to to get people hooked. I think also what helps is the short episodes. So yes. you know, yes. ten minutes you can always like if I if I if there's a podcast and it's like oh two hours two and a half hours like Ugh. it's incredibly snackable. Um, <laughs> yeah. How you how do you feel when you pushed that into the universe? Were you my God, five year journey's over, or I'm so excited, or what? What was the emotion? It was very exciting uh, because I mean, I, re- I wrote the original script in 2006, so you know, this this was like when was it? When was it? 14 years later. Yeah, yeah. It's like this is, and I, I felt pretty good about it. You know, I thought I thought people like it, and since I'd worked on it for so long, I never got bored with it. You know, like listening to sort of half finished episodes and stuff, I never got bored and thought. Ugh, this drags I, I'm going to fast forward through this bit usually I kind of listen to the whole thing 
and uh, and I thought, yeah, I'm, I feel very excited about this, mm. you know. And and then COVID hit at the same time. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say. So you went live March 9, and if you say that um, day one of COVID was really March 12th, that was <laughs> yeah. NBA get cancelled, yeah. <laughs> Tom Hanks gets COVID, and yeah. Trump exactly. gives this bizarre press conference about the injecting the cleaner in you. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And stuff like that. I was like, oh, that was sort of day zero. What COVID, a crazy so. year. <laughs> so did that play for you? That that work for you, do you think? Well, I don't know like if it had an impact on the listening numbers cuz I had no frame of reference, you know. I just yeah. put it out there and and you know, watched the numbers go up, but I didn't know is this slow, is this fast? Are people liking it? Who knows, you know? <laughs> I so, I still don't know how how good it is. I mean, I I got your fantastic award, which is yeah. which is really nice. So someone must have liked it. <laughs> so what was it like for promotion? Did you have a bit of a, a strategy in place, or did you sort of just think I'll put it out and see see how it goes? I just had I didn't have any sort of paid advertising or something. I just uh, I just did sort of sort of Twitter, Instagram posts of here it is, new episode, and then I had a snippet of every episode. I had a snippet uh, the day before. It's like tomorrow, next episode, and the little, little sort of oh my god, I can't believe it! Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah. yeah, great. And then, um, and then uh, on the day the episode dropped, I had a different snippet. So that's basically what I did for advertising. I didn't really do any sort of marketing. Or and what's the what was the audience response like? I mean, have you been have you been bombarded by you know science fiction fans and things just wanting to know when the next adventure is coming? Um, I don't know. It's sort of. There's some nice reviews on 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 Apple. Very it's good reviews. It's not really yes. that much of uh, like you know on Twitter. Every once in a while, someone asks me something, but it's not really that that huge. You know, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe people are just you know binging it and then going on to the next thing. I I, I didn't have the sort of. The, I mean, the biggest thing I got was the award. <laughs> and after that, it was funny. Sort of, uh, not straight after that, but sort of a month after or a month and a half after the numbers really went up like in january the numbers really went up to like four times what they usually are and then i think in february there was a cyber attack on the podcast provider and my it was offline for like two days and then the numbers plummeted and now they're back to where they were because i think i think in that phase we actually hit number one in uh australian and new zealand fiction podcasts on apple terrific that was great uh but then sort of i think we dropped out of the top 10 then people wouldn't find us anymore you know i don't know how it works (laughs) and since then you've also you've got an amazon show is that right oh yeah um uh this happened parallel basically i'm scared to pronounce it (laughs) el juego de las llaves (laughs) it's uh the game of keys basically and it's a completely different show. <laughs> it, I had nothing to do with the idea. It was something the producer sent me the pilot and said, can you work, help me on this? And then I rewrote it and then it got picked up. But it, I mean, I would never in a million years have come up with this idea, but, you know, it kind of worked out. It's about a group of people who meet, you know, they went to school together back in the day and they meet again and they're all in relationships and stuff. And then they decide to play the game of keys where you put your keys in a bowl and you pick one out and you sleep with the person whose car keys you've picked yep classic reunion stuff hilarity <laughs> <laughs> <Clarity> ensues <laughs> very universal yeah and and that got picked up and it was quite successful so they're now, now doing two more seasons of it and yeah that was that was Fantastic. that was quite good so is this now supporting your passion for podcasting as well mm. as their old full-time job <laughs> yeah i mean this uh, you know like 
the money in film and TV is much better than in novels and podcasting. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's been good. We just had a kid four years ago and it's been good for me staying at home and spending lots of time with him. So, yeah. Season two of Destination Earth, what, 2034? Based on existing timelines? <laughs> I mean, I, I would have some ideas for it, but I think since I'm not in Sydney anymore and getting the gang together would be mm. difficult, I'm not sure if it'll happen. I think maybe I'll do something in a different genre, you know? Mm. I, I, I don't think everything needs multiple uh, sequels. And <laughs> so you're not of the Marvel Disney. Um, bleed it till it's dry. Isn't it nice to have something that's just one thing, you know? You can just listen to the... You do have the feed, though. So I guess it's something that's you, right. could, you could revisit in a few years and, and reactivate the feed with something else. Yeah, I- when Stocks and I were caught up and were talking about the show, I think we both immediately mentioned this one particular... And I don't oh, want to give away too many genius. spoilers. Yeah. But, you know, one little uh, aspect of the show which did explain the disappearance of a certain, you know, inhabitant of Earth at some stage, which... <laughs> Lovely <laughs> think, Easter egg. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I thought about cutting that because it's like, is this too complicated? It's in the middle of a giant space battle and... Uh, there's a lot of text for basically a gag but i love it so much i was gardening when i heard that and i i dropped my whipper super and went what went back and went that's brilliant i'm I'm glad that landed because i was sort of like do people get it what i'm talking about mexico and i don't know well i'll just leave it in that's the nice thing though that's a nice thing about i must say about audio drama is it's compared to movies it's so cheap you don't have to listen to anyone you don't have to take notes from anyone you know you don't have to convince anyone with lots of money that your idea is worthwhile you know so i never got notes from anyone saying well i don't know about this scene and this scene so i could just do whatever i wanted and uh, that scene in particular was like that would have been cut i think in you know if someone else they were like oh what we have special effects of these inhabitants of Earth and it's going to be really expensive or now oh, we have to cut that, you know? But with audio, it doesn't cost that much. It's just it's just a few sound effects. It's a real common refrain we get on this post, this, this podcast, where a lot of people we deal with are coming from TV, film, tradi- other, other mediums of storytelling that will pay their bills for them traditionally. And they just said, look, working in podcasts, I get no notes. Yeah, exactly. I don't ha- I love you know, it. Or I'm not compromising constantly. And yeah, My exactly. original vision love is it. so bastardized by the time it gets there and not for creative reasons. Yeah, that's that's absolutely true, you know. Uh, I mean, the really expensive thing about films is the picture. <laughs> the yeah, sound yeah. Is, is cheap, you know. With indie movies, that's the thing that usually goes wrong is they, they don't pay enough attention about the so- on the sound. I don't know, sometimes you see a movie, sort of like an indie production, you see the trailer somewhere and you think, something's off here. It looks fine, the acting's okay, but something's off. And usually it means the sound wasn't good. The actors sound like off mic and the mix isn't good. And, and it's really, it's like something you really need to focus on uh, when, you, when you make a movie is, is the sound, I think. It's That's a good really, little tip, hey, just, yeah, just, turn, off the sound, just turn off the screen. And I'm going to go listen. Place. Yeah, I'll be paying attention to that. Yeah, It, it, it works really well. I mean, not, not just for action, you know. Like, let's say you're doing a romantic comedy, you know. Listen to When Harry Met Sally with the, with the picture off. The, you know, the scene in the diner, the famous yeah, scene. Yeah, I was going to say, there's I, one I, definite scene there which people could remember. 
that completely works you know the uncomfortable silence and she, she starts doing her thing and then the lady's saying i'll have what she's you know that, yeah. that, that, there's no picture needed here correct very true so you found a lot of inspiration in films and everything are there other podcasts that you've listened to which you've really liked the sound of or any that you would want to recommend to other listeners I mean, I definitely want to shout out to the fellow nominees because they were all great. Uh, Generation Batuta, Nocturnal Transmissions, Love and Luck, and Six Cold Feet. They just show how much talent there's in Australia, you know? And they're all so different. And I think also it's sort of stuff you wouldn't see on, on Netflix or something because it's, it's not something that would be greenlit by someone. But since it's podcasting or audio drama it's relatively cheap and you can just experiment more you know the main two podcasts i listen to because i'm i'm a bit of a film guy the main two podcasts um, i listen to because i'm a, I'm a bit two of a film biggest guy podcasts I listen to are, um, one is script notes my i don't know if you know script biggest notes. podcasts i listen it's, to are, um, one is script notes john august and craig mason they are the writers it's um by john august and craig mason they are the writers of oh, oh, big wow. and they, yeah, they talk about screenwriting and a lot of it is industry focused and sort of screenwriting stuff but there's a lot of craft stuff too so it's a real uh, recommendation for anyone who writes anything really it helps me you know with writing novels too it's not just sort of screenwriting focus what's the format of that show are they interviewing or are they just chatting amongst themselves They're basically chatting amongst themselves sometimes they have guests on like really sort of interesting guests sort of you know screenwriters i think if people want to dive in there's now almost 500 episodes so maybe hard to get your uh, bearings but if a good episode to start is episode 73 where they talk about raiders of the lost ark and they kind of go scene by scene and from a screenwriting point of view see what's going on you know uh and then there's one that is really good it's called it's episode 403 it's called how to write a movie and it's basically um basically how storytelling works and why story what what kind of stories work and and uh uh, it's really sort of fo- focused things in my mind about writing and it's about basically about character so usually it's about one character wanting something or um, having a certain worldview and then the story challenges that worldview and mm-hmm. it, that was really sort of interesting so you know those two episodes I can definitely recommend as far as Australian podcasts go that my, my number one favorite is Art of the Score it's so good it's uh, it's these three sort of music nerds <laughs> talking about film scores and they take apart almost every note of the of the film scores and talk about it and that helped me a lot when talking to my composer sort of you know talking about themes and all that kind of stuff and that's really really a great uh, podcast yeah, I've listened to a couple of those on, on long car trips as well. It's really good. I mean, there's some like Jurassic Park, which are just fantastic, where they just break down each of the different themes and songs that are along Yeah, like that. yeah, yeah. Or the Star Wars one, you know, like they, they have a they have a three-episode, five-hour show just about the first Star Wars movie, so they really go into insane detail, but it's really good. Just to go back to Raiders of the Ark for a second, um, have you seen the Steven Soderbergh cut of that? No, I haven't. Okay, so he's recut. I'll send it to you. He's recut Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, no, he hasn't recut it. He's rescored it and he's made it black and white. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that really ties into what you're saying about the audio being the thing. It's incredible. So it's, yeah, it, it's, it's no, um, no dialogue and he's just scored it. It's phenomenal. Cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll get that I'll to check you. that out. I mean, I mean, if you look at something like Star Wars, I don't think we would be talking about Star Wars now if it didn't have that brilliant sound design, the brilliant music, you know? Yeah, well, it just elevates the whole, 
the whole art form, doesn't it? Absolutely. And I think before then, sound design wasn't that big of a deal. But Ben Burt, the guy who did it, did such an amazing job. You know, like you just like everything sounds so good. You know, uh, it could have been really bad. Actually, I thought about doing a sort of exercise where I I do bad sound effects, put bad sound effects and bad music on it. But I never you know, got around to doing that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I think that would be funny to to do that. But um, well, I think you've expressed definitely a passion for, for sound and all things audio. Do you have any final advice for other people who want to get into you know, the, the scripted side of, of podcasting and fictional stories? I mean, if, you, if you're doing an audio drama, I think my, my advice would be get your actors in the same room, if possible. I mean, now with COVID, who knows, you know, but I think that really helps performances. If, you know, they're, they're acting, so, you know, they have to play off of each other. It's not just recording lines. Uh, I would say get a, as good a composer as you can because the music is so important. There are composers out there. There are composers out there who are looking for interesting projects. You don't have to get your mate with the keyboard to do some, some stuff. You can, <laughs> you, you can actually get like a professional composer for not that much money, I think. Yeah, listen to movies. Listen to movies. If you if you do an or you know if you want to do a radio drama in a certain genre, listen listen to movies of that genre that inspired you. You know if, if it's romantic comedy, listen to When Harry Met Sally. Listen to Fleabag. You know, uh, see what what how much of it is in the sound, and uh, I think that helps a lot. I think that's how I'm going to put myself to bed every night. Now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> listen to scores. Yeah, yeah. Calm out, be damned. Be <laughs> uh, well, thanks very much, Patrick. I mean, that's some great advice in there, and it's been a pleasure talking to you, and congratulations on the success. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much for getting in touch. Oh, we appreciate it, man. Look, and um, re- thank you for taking the time, and look, it's a masterpiece you've done, really. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, my love to Australia. We miss it. <laughs> it's May here and it's like 14 degrees. <laughs> oh, it hasn't been the same since you left, Patrick. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs>